Welcome to our newest episode of the Lebanese Physicians Podcast. And today we will be talking about how to do your medical training in Deutschland or Germany. I think a lot of us tend to, in Lebanon especially, when you're a graduate of LAU or AUB or, or even USG, your, your target is always to go to the U.S. and you work hard and on doing your steps to go to the U.S. But today we're going to talk about how to go to Germany because that's another option that people have. And uh, with us, actually, we have Dr. Jerome Sur, who is currently a fifth-year resident of dermatology in Germany, and particularly in the beautiful city of uh, Munich. And uh, we've got Dr. Fahd Al-Ghanim, who is currently a pulmonary and critical care fellow who will be finishing uh, soon at the University of uh, Maryland, which is not that far away from me. So welcome, Jerome. Uh, welcome, Fahd. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us, Khalil. It's a pleasure. Of course. And so I'm going to start with the, with the first question to Jerome is how do you, so Jerome, I mean, we all like you go to LAU, right? You're a medical student there. Like everybody's like, all right, we're going to do our US NLEs. We want to go to the US. We want to go then. So how did, how did you decide to go to, to Germany? So the decision didn't happen overnight. Fahad can remember very well that I even bought my step one US MLE book. And I even started studying because everybody was doing that. But at some point I realized that I really liked dermatology and somehow as an international medical graduate, there's no chance for me to get a position there. So I just set my mind on that thought and I thought, okay, am I looking for a country or am I looking for a specialty that I will love practicing in my entire life? And uh, this is when the whole idea of going somewhere else besides the States came up. And um, instead of studying the step one uh, Yasamadi book, I put it aside and I started looking around the world where I could go and where I could start my specialization. I remember that we had a friend at the time who went, who went to the lang German language center in Lebanon and he started learning German <laughs> to, go to, to go to the U to Germany instead of going to the US because he yeah. wanted to do anesthesiology. Yeah. And I think he, he kind of nudged you in that direction too, right? Yeah, yeah. This maybe this stimulated something because uh, the idea of learning the German language was very uh, foreign, was very bizarre for me at that time. But uh, obviously that friend that joined the Goethe Institute in uh, Beirut and started learning the language sort of stimulated a thought, for sure. So now you set your mind to go to Germany and there are many pathways <laughs> that we don't know about going to Germany and other places in the world, and each one has specific criteria. Mm -hmm. So what are the things that you kind of thought about before going to Germany, and what did you need to prepare? So the first thing I tackled is just joining that school, because I was a medical student. And um, I thought, like, after my internship uh, in the evening, I should just go and start learning the language. Because, I mean, even if I wanted to do an elective there, I just had to understand something at least. So that was the first step I took. And I thought like, okay, I'm going to start listening to the language. I'm going to start learning it. Do I like it? Do I, do, do I find it horrible? <laughs> because German language, if you hear about it and if you hear or listen to people who learned it, they actually scare you away. And... I joined Goethe Institute, I started taking courses, I think it was twice per week, maybe three hours in total per week, so it was nothing intensive. 
And in parallel, I started uh, preparing for an elective in Germany. So I thought like, I'm still a student, I'm still an intern. It would be a great opportunity to step in Germany and take a step in Germany and try to see how people live, how friendly people are, um, how doctors communicate, how the language sounds, because these were important aspects for me before choosing Germany as my next uh, home. I wasn't ready to just move there and I didn't know the language, I didn't have anything here. I, my, my diploma is not even acknowledged here. And do I, should I start discussing the steps, the, the, the bureaucracy and the bureaucratic part? Yeah, let us know. Like, what's what's the bureaucracy that you went through? I mean, you of course you had to learn the language, yeah. but like, what what's the mm -hmm. process? And is it difficult? Is it easy? Just to compare it to going to the US, let's say, and costly. What's the cost? Yeah. yeah. What irritated me at first was the fact that the process is not clear. It's not standardized. It's not clear, and it's not written in one single website where you just again get very well informed, and that's it. Um, every state in Germany has its own rules. They differ a little bit, so it's the differences are not huge, but you do have uh, different requirements in different states. And for you to be able to capture that once you're abroad and you've never lived in Germany, it's extremely difficult. That's one thing. A second thing that I found irritating, uh, I didn't know the language, so I would go on a German website and I would go to translate or English language. And years later, I realized that the English translation lacked some information. So you have to read the website in German for you to get all the uh, accurate information. That's another thing. And trying to contact Lebanese doctors or Arab doctors that are in Germany, I tried contacting people through LinkedIn or Facebook. I don't even remember. I couldn't get a lot of help because some of them moved back to Lebanon, so other, others uh, lived in different states, so I couldn't get clear answers. So when I compare it to the states, you could start working on your assembly and on your first steps to go to the states while you're in Lebanon, but I wasn't able to do that while I was still in Lebanon when it comes to Germany. I had to fly in, I have to do electives here because I wasn't able to have a clear picture uh, about the process. It was extremely frustrating at first. So I was learning the language and I was just trying to ask around if somebody knows anything. I didn't get any information, any important information, and I just ended up doing my electives here in Germany. And once I was here, I started getting closer information because I was just asking locals and doctors that are living here. And I found out that the second step besides the language, because you need to have a certain level in the language, you need to have a language certificate, level B2 or C1, depending on the state. The second step after the language is the approbation or the medical licensure. So you need to get your diploma acknowledged. And this is also very frustrating, time demanding, uh, demands a lot of patience because you don't know how long it's going to take. And you have to prepare a lot of papers. So you have to bring with you a lot of papers from Lebanon. You have to make the colloquium in Lebanon and you have to bring multiple papers like certificate of good conduct. Um, you have to bring your diploma, your grades, and you have to translate everything because your chances of uh, getting your uh, file through the governmental offices 
the chances of that process going faster uh, are better if you translate all your documents. Because as soon as a document is in English and the employee in the governmental offices has no idea what's written in it, it's automatically going to take a month or two or six months longer. So I didn't hesitate. I translated everything, even if it costs a little bit more. And I applied all the papers that I needed to apply. There is a list um, on the website, depending on which stage you're going. You can download that list in English or in German, and then you have a checklist which you need to fill. fill. So I remember, uh, I remember when I was studying for the steps, for step one and two, you were studying for German, but also trying to get the lay of the land in Germany of how, what are the things that you need to do. Um, yeah. Uh, to succeed. So what are like three steps that you'd recommend for someone to, to do before they go to Germany? Mm -hmm. and, and what are, and I remember you also told me that there was a specific, when you try to get a visa to Germany, you need to, to have a specific amount of money in the bank. Yeah. What are practical mm -hmm. tips that you have for mm -hmm. the students who are going to Germany? Mm -hmm. prior to going to this to the, practical to tips i mean i'm gonna try to summarize maybe just uh list the important steps and maybe i will go through details first step learn the language because this is the part that's going to take most of your time you start learning the language you can't apply to the medical licensure or to the acknowledgement of your diploma here in germany unless you're a doctor in Lebanon. So you have to have the colloquium, you have to have the paperwork done in Lebanon with the Ministry of Health and um, if you're signed up with the, the Abdel Atubba. How do you call it in English? I forgot that. So um, you need to wait for that bureaucratic part because as I said, you need to become a doctor. You can't do that or speed that process up uh, as long as you're a student. So first step, learn the language. Second step, prepare an elective during your fifth, your sixth and seventh year. You have to come to Germany. You have to uh, make contact with professors and doctors and deans because if someone knows you, this will speed up your application process and your acceptance for a residency program because the process here is way more personal in comparison to different to other countries. When you compare it to France, when you compare it to uh, the USA, the process here is kind of personal. They want to know you're competent. They know they want to know you're you're willing to learn. They know they know you're engaged and you're nice to patients and you're you're a good team player. And that way, you get a position as a resident uh, much faster uh, if you have that personal connection. So, yeah. So what you. Yes, yeah, so exactly what you're telling us is electives are like the most important probably part of going to Very important, Germany. especially that you're a foreigner, you, 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 were a medical, you were a medical student outside Germany, so they have to get to know you somehow. Because you're competing with medical students from Germany, you're competing with doctors that are German. What are your chances if you're just sitting in Lebanon? So, so, so on that note... On that note, I, when I spent time to try to find elective in the U.S., I emailed a bunch of doctors and kind of tried through connections to figure out electives. How, how, how did you find your electives in Germany? Mm -hmm. I uh, created a prototype, an email in German and translated in English, and I was copy-pasting. I was sending it all over the place. I think I sent about two to 300 emails around Germany. 
just searching for an elective. So that was um, also very demanding. I had to be very patient because I got very few responses. So it was very rare for me to get a response. And if I got one, one out of 20 emails, if I got a response, it was negative. So it was very difficult at first. And this is just for an elective. I would just explain in the email that I want to come and do some shadowing. I don't want money. I don't want to work. I don't want a position. position. I just want to come and walk around the hospital with residents and uh, with uh, different attending physicians. And uh, the money part, because this is also a very important aspect at the moment uh, regarding the uh, financial crisis in Lebanon. You don't need a lot of money as a student preparing for electives. You need money once you start with the bureaucratic part. So translating the documents is very expensive. It could cost up to 2,500, 3,000 euros. Uh, applying to the uh, medical licensure or to the diploma acknowledgement thing and uh, the government costs up to 500 euros. And learning the language is also costly. So you have to pay for a course about four or $500 in Lebanon. So it's also costly. And the last step be applying to the visa. So once you're, you did your electives and you were already here and you got some sort of a position as a researcher, as a resident, you have to apply for a visa. And this visa is for a longer stay. So up, when you're applying for a visa up to 90 days, this is like something similar to a tourist visa. But once you're applying for a visa for a longer stay, uh, longer than uh, three months, you need to apply for a visa for study. If you're taking language courses here, you need to apply for a visa for a job. But I don't think anybody will have a job while sitting in Lebanon. It might be an exception. So you could apply for the job visa while while being in Lebanon if you got accepted for a position, but you need a contract, you need some sort of a confirmation that you got that position. There's another visa, uh, which I got back then, it was a researcher's visa. And lastly, you can apply for a job search visa. But this job search visa, um, I heard some feedback from different colleagues that came from Lebanon to Germany. It was a little bit difficult with that kind of visa because it's also it's very short. You all, always get it for three or six months. And during this time, you have to find a job. And if you don't, you have to go to the offices again and you have to get a prolongation of that visa. It's um, kind of complicated. So it's better to have a good uh, reason why you would be in the German territories, something like taking language course or doing research, because that part of the paperwork would uh, be a little bit better. And the shocking part, as soon as I applied for the visa, the first requirement before I even gave my documents in the embassy in Lebanon, I had to transfer, my father had to transfer 8,000 euros to a German bank and freeze it and had to give proof to the embassy that I already sent that money and then I was able to apply for the visa because they really want to know that you were able, that you have some sort of financial means when you're coming here. So you're a researcher, you're not getting any, uh, any salary. How are you going to be financing your life? Your, uh, how are you going to be paying your rent and your grocery shopping? 
Yeah, so basically it's what you're saying, it's a it's a very costly process. And when they start applying for electives, you have you need to have started learning the German language in Lebanon before you start applying. Uh-huh. And uh, so do they do they accept uh, lullers or no? Local dollars. L- lullers or local dollars from Lebanese banks. and uh, the and the German embassy. They may ex- no, I mean in Germany. I'm kidding. This was this was a joke. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm sorry. I didn't but, get that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but I th- but I think that's a uh, that's going to be a problem, right? That's that's what I wanted to get to. Is that's going to be a problem now because mm-hmm. people cannot unless somebody has their money yeah. uh, outside of the country. It's going to be a yeah. problem for their parents to show that they have that much money and send mm-hmm. it over. I guess. Mm-hmm. So uh, so how is how is so basically when you get your your position in Germany it's more of a job right quote unquote job student residency but also it's considered that you're in a job right basically mm-hmm. like a job I'm employed I'm employed yeah. in a university hospital or in a normal hospital some people even start in a smaller setting a private practice but um, the physician who's working there is able to give you six or twelve months of residency. And you're employed. You're employed, you have a job, you get a salary, and at the same time, you're filling out your logbook, the requirements uh, to become um, uh, specialized in dermatology and orthopedics and ophthalmology. Right. So, so you ascend the ranks, I guess, right? Just doing year one, year two, year three. But in the US, basically, let's see the comparison. In the US, basically, you go into let's say we want to do pulmonary critical care, you do an internal medicine residency, you do a pulmonary critical care fellowship then you're directly an attending and you're in the workforce. Uh, so how is it in Germany? Like, do you, do you have a specific number of years or is it different uh, in Germany? Mm-hmm. I would consider that you're already in the workforce as soon as you're not a student anymore. So once you're done with your medical school, once you graduated and your diploma is acknowledged here, you're, you've joined the workforce already. I'm paying taxes, I'm working, I'm getting salary very normally. But um, there are some uh, ranks, or there's a certain hierarchy, obviously. So you would start as a resident. Depending on the program, you might need uh, anything between four to six years to finish your residency. And once you're done, if you have published enough articles, if you have done some research in parallel, you have good chances of going further and becoming an attending physician. And you can get that position in a, in a university hospital or in a smaller setting too. But there's there are also different academic titles. So you might be a resident, but you don't have a title, that doctor title that they have here. So it's similar to PhD somehow. So you have to make a project, you have to have a thesis and you, you defend it. And then you get that title as a doctor. It's called Dr. Mead. So this is something that's academic. It doesn't have anything to do with the residency. And once you have that title, that Dr. Mead title, the next step would be becoming a private teacher. So if you publish 11, 12 publications, I think half of them should be first author. The other half should be second author you can take the next step academically and become that private teacher. So you can start giving uh, courses in the university and the medical school. And the third step would be becoming a professor if you have uh, enough uh, publications. But still, as a resident, even if you didn't publish enough, 
uh, articles, you might be able to get a position as an attending physician if you're good, if they know you in the hospital, if you've done different kind of work, you might excel in a different way without having that academic title that is actually needed. And obviously, when you're in, big in the bigger states or, or, or when you are in bigger cities, the competition is higher. So your chances of getting a position as an attending physician at a university clinic in Munich and Berlin and Hamburg is much lower if you don't have enough publications and if you don't have these academic titles. It seems that there are parallels between the U.S. and Germany, especially in academic job. And I just wanted to take a step back for the students that uh, are thinking about applying to Germany. Mm -hmm. uh, for example, for me, when I tried to apply to the U.S., I did my steps and I put my application through ERAS and I sent it to mm -hmm. like a bunch of residency programs. And the same goes for fellowship. What, what, what did you do to, to get your research position and, and residency position? Mm -hmm. Was it a similar application process or mm -hmm. something that's totally different? Yeah. There was an application process, but as I said, it's not standardized at all, okay? It's very, very personal. It's very different from state to state, from city to city, from hospital to hospital. So I just had to, back then, I just had to have the guts to just go for it. So I was here. I spent three months doing electives in Germany. I prepared my CV. And during uh, my um, internship here in Germany, I started learning the language. I, I continued learning the language and I showed the different professors that were seeing me on a daily basis during morning rounds, during uh, different uh, clinics, clinics and um, during my stay on the ward. I showed them that I was learning the language very efficiently and very quickly. And I was starting to reply in German. I was discussing cases in German as much as I could. And, I noticed that I got attention from some professors and I started using that too. And at some point when uh, I had one or two weeks left in Germany, I thought, okay, I just have to concretely discuss my case with a professor or two professors and tell them I want to come just to know how it would work. Because as I said, it's really different from hospital to hospital and I just had to know how it works in that hospital particularly. I remember talking to the chief of department, Professor Ruzishka, and I talked to two different professors that were attending physicians, but not chief depart of department. And I talked to them and I told them, okay, so I'm about to become a doctor. I have to fly back home. I have to do my exams, finish my paperwork and apply for a visa. I'm interested in dermatology. I really need to become a dermatologist. What, how can I start here? How can you start in your hospital? I'm ready to do anything. You can give me a research job, unpaid, I'm ready. And back then I had the luxury to say unpaid because so many people can't even afford to say that because of the crisis currently in Lebanon. So um, one professor offered me a position he told me there is no budget for me to get paid, to get a salary. So I have to take care of my own financial situation. He told me you either, you either have to apply for a scholarship or you have to bring your own money in some sort of way. So your, your parents have to pay for it. I remember asking about a scholarship in Lebanon. It's called DAAD, DAD. This is a program that's related, uh, that's uh, it's some sort of cooperation between Lebanon and Germany. The thing is, uh, once I asked about it, I realized that it would take about one and a half to two years to get an acceptance if I got one. 
So I didn't have the time. I didn't want to lose the time and just sit home and wait. And as I said, I'm lucky to say uh, that my parents were able to be to take care of my uh, financial situation for that year where I didn't have a job. I paid job at first, uh, back to the application application process just, just so that I don't lose my idea or my thoughts. So I was here, I talked to the professor, I told him I want to come, I left a copy of my CV, I took his card, I took his email, phone number, and I kept contacting him from Lebanon and telling him, okay, I'm ready, I'm coming. I kept updating him about my situation. And once I knew I was ready to leave, I just needed an invitation letter from him, a confirmation from the hospital that I got a research position in the hospital. And once I got it, I applied my file to the, um, to the embassy. I sent the money first, the 8,000 euros, as I said. And once I got the visa, I just flew in and started research. And how long were you in research before you were accepted in, in residency? So this is not very relevant in my case because I didn't start the paperwork properly once I was when I was in Lebanon. So I started doing paperwork once I was here. So my brother was taking care of things while I was in Lebanon, and then he sent me papers for DHL, and I took care of things here. But if someone comes directly with his papers already, already, uh, it might take much much less time. In my case, I needed one year and two months from the time point, from the time where I got to Germany until I got my medical licensure in Germany, it took about one year and two months. But from the time point where I actually applied, it took six months. Because that's but, relevant, I think, for people who are planning to do it. Is mm -hmm. They don't want to be unpaid for uh, that much time. So it, mm -hmm. it might be a good idea. And then I think I, I guess you mentioned that that too might be an idea for them to start the process early so they don't have yeah. to pay all this money to to get there. So my next mm -hmm. question for you is now you've, you're in your residency, you you got in and we talked about the process. So I'm going to compare, I'm going to just do it. Just I mean, we talked about similar, I'm going to compare the US. So here, let's say Fahad next year, he'll, he'll be done with his fellowship. He's going to get a job. It could be either an academic job or a private practice job. He has the option to choose either. And his salary will go up. Whatever he chooses, I think his salary will go up significantly because now he's probably barely making ends meet and suddenly he'll be a rich man. So, <laughs> so is, it, is it similar in Germany in these successions that you were talking about? Like, does your salary go up significantly when this happens? Or is, it, is there not a big difference in salary between a resident and a professor, let's say. That jump is not uh, comparable to the States. There's no obvious jump when, the, when it comes to salary once you're done with residency. I think that the German salary as a resident, uh, when you compare it uh, on an international level, is already good enough. And it, kept, it keeps escalating during the years. So from year to year in residency, you keep getting more money. And once you're done, if you keep that academic job, as a uh, attending physician, you will get paid more. You will get more money, yes. But it's not that huge jump that uh, Fahad keeps telling me about in the States. And at the same time, depending on your specialty, if you move to private practice, Obviously, there is a way to make more money if you do a lot of private procedures, especially in dermatology. So 
uh, dermatologists that are working in private practice are able or capable to make more money because they perform more procedures that are paid, paid privately by the patients and not by the insurance. So you, you forgot to mention that I think as a resident or fellow in Germany, you probably tend to get paid a lot more than what you get in the United States, right? Definitely. Definitely. I'm sure of that. Yeah. yeah. So, so, so my net, next question to you is that, for example, a lot of the people in Lebanon, other places who come to the U.S. want to immigrate to the United States and, and they uh, have to go through hoops to uh, waive their J-1 visa if they're on J-1 and kind of adjust their status if they're on H-1. Are you able to immigrate to Germany throughout residency or you have to wait for some reason? What's the application process like? Mm -hmm. So once you're here uh, with your visa, uh, you can apply for a residency permit. And there are different residency permits. So you have a normal residency permit, which every uh, citizen that's coming who's coming from abroad can get. There's something called blue card. You can apply for a blue card if you have a job that's paid uh, above something like 50,000 euros per year, or if you have a significant job, something like researcher, doctor, nurse, etc. You can apply for that blue card as a, anybody can apply for that blue card actually, but people who have other jobs could apply for it, let's say 33 months after their first arrival in Germany. Doctors could apply for it 21 months later. So you're kind of, you go faster through that process. And once you have the residency permit, you have a card. So you, you, when you travel, you have to show your passport, you show that card and that's it. If you have the blue card, it doesn't make a bigger difference, uh, that huge difference. You show the blue card or you show the residency permit doesn't make a big difference for you as a traveler. And then there's a non-limited residency permit, which you can get as a last step. And the last step would be after that would be getting the passport. Usually German in Germany, they say you have to stay for eight years in Germany to get the German passport or to apply for the German passport. But in case you have a certain level in the language, so if you have a certificate of B2 or C1 in German language, you can shorten that period from eight to six years. So in my case, for example, I had to have the language skills from the beginning because I'm working as a physician in Germany. And this is why, theoretically speaking, I need about six years in Germany for me to apply. And then the process might take anything between three to 12 months for you to get the passport. Currently, I have that unlimited or permanent residency permit, which facilitates my travels in Germany and uh, in the EU generally. Yeah, so that's important. Basically, that residency permit that you can get, I guess, very shortly after you arrive in Germany, yeah. it seems like it allows you free travel across the EU zone countries, which is which is huge, I think, which is a much longer process in the US, especially if you come on an exchange or, or J1 yeah. uh, visa. So uh, it's excellent. And so how is, uh, so basically before I ask you that question, so it basically takes about seven years for you to get German citizenship. Is that correct from what you said? About, in my case, about six to seven years, yes, because I have the German uh, language skill. Which is still much shorter than it takes right now if you come on a J-1 visa to the US, which mm -hmm. is important. 
And then how is life in Germany like? Do you like it? I have a very good experience. I would say that. I mean, I met very friendly people. I have friends. Um, I was able to create a second home with time. But maybe a small hint for someone who's thinking about coming to Germany. You have to be patient to get into society and to start to get to know people. Because especially Germans, because Germans are very careful when they approach you. So when you compare it to the Lebanese culture or to the Lebanese society, Lebanese tend to be very friendly very quickly, but they might end up stabbing you in the back very quickly too. Germans are very careful when they try to approach you. So they are very distant, but friendly. They're not mean for no reason. So they're friendly and they're distant. And you need effort and time for you to gain their trust. But once you gain their trust, they are very good friends. They are people that you can really keep around. And I had generally very positive experiences when it comes to my private life and the people I met during my stay here. And there's much less anxiety compared to Lebanon. People are way more chilled and they try to do what makes them happy in a more efficient way. They're just calmer. They're they're calmer, they're less anxious, and this is what makes them more efficient and finding the way to happiness. Because when so many basic things uh, in Lebanon uh, are missing, are lacking in your daily life, and you're kind of trying to get rid of that anxiety that you got from your parents that lived through war, um, you're busy doing so many different things instead of making yourself happy. So I learned a lot of things from Germans, from European in general. And one thing I have to mention too, I mean, Germany is a first world country. It's very attractive for foreigners coming from the Middle East, coming from South America or coming from Asia. So you actually end up meeting a lot of foreigners too. So it's not like you're here and you're just hanging out with Germans. My closest friends, I can count two or three Germans, but I also have people coming from Chile, South America, people coming from Italy, from Spain, from Austria. Very random because you have that multicultural setting and because you have so many people from different countries. Any country that's so stable and successful. Yeah. Do, do you go to beer gardens every day or? When it comes to Bavaria, we're experts, yes. Uh, we drink beer very often. I wasn't such a big fan of beer. Generally, I would rather drink wine or vodka or whiskey. But when, when it comes to Bayern or Bavaria, you have to learn drinking beer and in large amounts without getting a reflux. <laughs> <laughs> because uh, your competition is... Um, a chick, a woman that's sitting near you, she might be five years uh, younger or older than you, and she might be drinking four liters of beer during one evening. And if you're still in your second liter, you might get embarrassed. So you have to train your stomach and your guts <laughs> to drink a lot of beer. And um, I think three or four months later, after I arrived to Munich, I had to buy the, that costume. Yeah, yeah, I was going to ask you about that. <laughs> we, call it, we call it Tracht, and you, it's a must-have. When you live in Munich, you have weddings, you have birthdays, you have the Oktoberfest, so you will wear it at least five to ten times per year. So you have to buy it, and you have to buy something 
that's of good quality because if you wear something that's not so nice or something that's that looks like plastic, they they might make fun of you even. Can you drink? So I know when I was when I did my elective in Spain at one point, you could drink like a small bottle of wine for lunch as you're working in the, in the hospital. <laughs> <laughs> Can you have a glass of beer in the middle of the day? Because that's another important oh. part too for people to think about. <laughs> During work, no. I mean, if if something happens and you're working and someone finds out that you had alcohol in your system, you might risk your approbation or your medical licensure. But uh, on the other hand, uh, you have so many Bavarians that start drinking beer uh, at breakfast. So if you're out on Saturday or Sunday and you want to go have brunch or you're just going for a walk or doing some jogging, you might meet some locals with their first beer at 9 a.m. So it's something that's very common. People drink beer as if it's water. So it seems like you're enjoying your time a lot in Germany. Too much, maybe. <laughs> uh, well, residency was tough until now. I didn't have a lot of time to have fun, I would say. Um, I had to process a lot of stress. I had to go through uh, so many hectic uh, nights and so many 24-hour shifts. It was very hectic, but I was trying to find my balance. I was trying to go out, meet new people, and get to know the society and the culture because it's very interesting and it helps you learn the language in a much faster way. And you have to get adapted to the dialect too, because the Bavarian dialect is also a, another obstacle that you have to be confronted with. So I try to have my fun because it's uh, it's important to have healthy balance during residency, especially when you're going through so much stress. And yeah, I mean, you hear a lot of stereotypes when it comes to Germans. There are stereotypes about every country and every, uh, citizen in the world. I mean, uh, it's kind of human nature to stereotype and to, to start uh, generalizing stuff. But I was very surprised. I was able to have my own experience and my own taste of Germany. I was able to meet a lot of people that proved me wrong um, when it comes to their coldness or their distance or their unfriendliness. So many things are just stereotypes. So many theories are wrong. And you just have to come and meet people because uh, what unites us humans all around the, the globe is just that search for happiness, search for a good life, somehow uh, going through that short trip on earth and somehow enjoying it. And every, every country or every culture has its own way of translating that. And this is what brings me closer to everybody here, to all the different foreigners and to the Germans that I met here. We're searching for the same thing uh, at the end of the day. Yeah, I think it's similar everywhere. I think we tend to, people tend to stereotype others, but I can tell you some of the, the best friends I've made in the US actually are Germans, and we've got some very good German friends right now in Munich who moved back there. So, and, and I think similar can be said about like people in the US. I think once you're here, you get used to it. I mean, everybody's extremely nice and you cool. yeah exactly so mm -hmm. so any final words uh, Fahed? I just wanted to ask you and first thank you for taking the time to talk about Germany I think it's going to be helpful uh, to all the students who are thinking of going to Germany instead of the U.S. and Lebanon and mm -hmm. then the second thing is what do you miss about Lebanon that you can't find in Germany? 
Uh, honestly, I found almost anything here. So I'm able to eat a very delicious manouche. I'm able to make my own delicious tabbouleh here at home. Uh, I had delicious knefe here. But what's missing is beach. Salt water, beach, warmth, sand. They do have amazing lakes and rivers, but it's very cold for me. I don't really enjoy swimming in it because I freeze. But uh, yeah, I would say maybe the first thought or the first thing that I really missed here, besides family, besides my loved ones in Lebanon, is beach. Yeah, it's, I think to conclude, I think, I mean, every place has its own positives and negatives, right? But I think you just weigh, mm-hmm. weigh the positives, weigh the negatives, and decide where you want to be afterwards. And uh, and just that, I think just thanks to both of you for being on this podcast. And Fahad, thanks for introducing me to... To Jerome, I think this was this was a great experience, and because you always think, I mean, when you're in Lebanon, you're always thinking either like France or the U.S., right? These are the only yeah. two options that people think about. But I think people have to think that there's a lot of other options that they can pursue. That Germany seems to be uh, one of them. That I think Jerome can be a a good guide for people who uh, want to ask questions about mm-hmm. how to uh, go to Germany. Hopefully. I'm really glad I was able to take part in this podcast because um, I was contacted um, by about 50 medical students or physicians from Lebanon uh, in the last five years. I would be getting very desperate, sad um, messages uh, on Facebook, Instagram, or even on WhatsApp asking me about the details and asking me about Germany because it always sounds very scary. Oh my God, Germany, I have to learn German. It's not possible for me to come here. And I actually gave him realistic gave these people realistic hopes or just realistic information when it comes to the process and the the way to success uh, when it comes to Germany. And this this podcast uh, exactly summarizes my experience, summarizes my tips for everybody who is trying to come here. And uh, maybe when someone uh, texts me or asks me about anything, I would just give him the link to this podcast and that would get um, very important and uh, clear information about coming to Germany. I think it's going to help many physicians and students that are considering Germany as an option. And uh, it was a great opportunity. All right, thanks. Maybe you can consider also at some point doing an outline or something like that for people to, to follow in terms of the process. So, all right, thanks to both of you and hopefully Thank see you, you both much, soon. Thanks for that. Thank you. All right, bye, bye.